The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting-edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, Subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome back to your favorite show, The Influencer's Edge, where we bring you the cutting edge influencers, people in sales. We've had people in mind control, brainwashing, CIA and FBI interrogators and negotiators. Today, we have someone super interesting because, and we'll get in his biography. My guest is Jeff Goldberg. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. And uh, so we're going to dive into his biography in a minute. But Jeff, how long have you been doing what you do? And we'll get into what you're doing in, in a second. I've been in sales for 48 years. I, I popped out of the womb and tried to sell the doctor. Ah, uh, okay. So we're going to dive into this. Let me read a brief, uh, your bio is so extensive because you've had so much success and so much experience. I try to whip through these bios really fast. So Jeff is the head coach and lead sales trainer at Jeff Goldberg and Associates. How did you come up with that name for your company? <laughs> I had to pay a marketing guy a lot of money to come up with that. All right. They're dedicated to helping individuals and organizations attain measurable and sustainable sales increase. He's award-winning sales professional with almost five decades. Let's stop there. Everyone always asks you, how do you how did you get started? Eh, boring question. Always everyone always asks that. You've been doing this 48 years. How in the world have you stayed passionate and interested in it for 48 years? What has driven you to stay passionate about it? Well, I think one thing, Paul, is that uh there's nothing else I'm good at. So I, I had to <laughs> had to stick with it. But um, I actually did fall into sales by accident, which almost everybody does. And if you want, I'll give you the brief uh, story of how sure. that happened. Sure. sure. So um, my father, my stepfather, and both grandfathers were uh, career salespeople. And none of them ever made a penny in their lives to speak of. And I swore I'd never go into sales. Uh, when I graduated high school, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And my counselor, guidance counselor said, you should be an accountant. And I went to Baruch College in Manhattan because it was known as an accounting school. Um, I was very, very bad at, at study. I had never learned how to really study. And I wasn't interested in anything. I really had no direction. Uh, so the only classes I would attend were my uh, psychology class, because I was fascinated by that, and my, the marketing classes. Uh, the rest of the day, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, but uh, it's been a long time, so I don't think I'd get in trouble. I used to sit in the student center and uh, deal weed. I used to come into- Whoa, the- whoa, whoa, pause. But you were already selling. 
<laughs> that was an easy job, I would guess, because people really wanted the product. They sure did. I would sit there with a bong and just light up all day and people would come over and, you know, can I have a hit? And uh, where, where can you get this? I'm like, right in my backpack. So uh, you know, like a hot dog stand at 2 a.m. when all the clubs let out and the people are starving, they're going to buy your effing hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Anyways, I got a part time job at a furniture store a block away doing customer service you know, ordering and things like that. And one day, one of the salespeople didn't show up for work. He was sick. And the boss said to me, it's busy out there. Go take care of those customers. And I looked at him and said, I don't know how to sell. What are you talking about? And literally, he pointed to his mouth and said, smile a lot. He gave me a legal pad and a pen. He said, write down everything they're interested in. Come back. I'll give you the prices. That's selling. And 48 years later, not only am I still selling, but I'm teaching other people how to sell. But I think what keeps me passionate to get back to your question is I've been a student of sales the entire time. Most salespeople, they never read a book. They never go to a seminar. They don't invest in themselves. And I was very fortunate that I went to work for a company, Encyclopedia Britannica, that had a great training program. And I learned the value of being trained. And Pause, just read... a second. Pause just a second. I sure. know this because when I was a kid, we were borderline poor, but we always coming from a Jewish family, you know this, books are sacred. And the Encyclopedia Britannica or whatever, salesperson would come sell us the set. And every year they would knock on the door with the updates and we'd always buy them. So you did that? I didn't do the updates. I was selling the original set of books and yeah. uh, they they gave great, great training. And you know, I, anybody can sell as far as I'm concerned, but if you have certain core qualities and traits, you're more likely to succeed. And I just happen to have a bunch of them. What do you and think those I, are? What so, do you think those, what are those core traits? Oh, there's a bunch of them. Certainly, if you're articulate, you're more likely to do well in sales than if you can't string two sentences together. If you have a good sense of humor, which I do, you can get people to like you. That's absolutely good. If you truly come from wanting to serve people and not just get paid, I think that shows through. And I'm a very giving, caring person. I like helping others. Don't get me wrong. I like getting paid for it, but I, I, I enjoy the feeling of helping others. So I had a bunch of the qualities that tend to make somebody successful. And I've worked at it. I, I still read almost every book that comes out and still go to seminars. And um, I believe that, there you go, I've read that one, that's for sure, um, that Zig Ziglar had the right definition, definition, which is selling is serving. He actually used to say, I don't know if you ever, ever attended one of his seminars, but he used to say that sell comes from the Swedish word selja, S-E-L-J-E, which he claimed meant to serve. Now, I'm the nerd that looked it up. It doesn't mean that, but I still like the thought of it. So it's really about serving and I've stuck with it that this long. That's what, by the way, I speak a little Swedish. I won't get into what I know how to say. <laughs> but to all the Swedish fans listening, Yagvilahar, never mind. I'm not going to go there. So, wait a minute. You said that to sell, you, uh, let me go a little further in your biography. We'll stick a pin in that. Sure. So you're an award-winning sales professional with almost five decades of, I'm sorry, five decades of sales, sales management training and coaching experience. Jeff has had the opportunity to teach, coach, mentor, and speak internationally in front of tens of thousands of sales professionals, ranging from financially successful veterans to the most junior new hires. Is there a difference in the psychology of approaching and teaching veterans versus new hires, because there's a 
proverb in Zen where the person goes to learn from the master and then he's not really listening. So the master is pouring the tea and pouring the tea and pouring the tea and the cup keeps overflowing. And the student says, what are you doing? The master says, your cup is already fill, filled. How can I add more? So is there a difference in the psychology of teaching beginners as opposed to veterans? Sure. Um, veterans quite often, not always, but quite often come into the room with their arms crossed and their mind made up that the day is going to be a waste. You know, their manager's making them do this. They could be out in the field making money. Why are they forcing me? So I have to work hard to win them over pretty quickly now. Very rarely do I meet with someone with as much experience as I have, but just because you've been doing something a long time doesn't necessarily make you good at it. Look um, at our politicians. <laughs> bingo. We, we could talk about that for the next 45 minutes if, you'll, if you'd like. But uh, yeah, so um, I have to make sure that very early on, I build credibility with them. Uh, junior people, they come in like little sponges. They just teach me anything. I just want to make more money uh, as opposed to, the, you know, what, what are you going to teach me that I didn't already forget 20 years ago? Uh, but it, it really doesn't take much. Usually within the first 15, 20 minutes, it all becomes the same. Uh, and I pretty much teach the same thing to veterans and new people. I, I'm very big on the fundamentals. Uh, I don't teach fancy stuff. Uh, in fact, whenever a client, you know, if, if I've been working with a client for years, eventually there comes a point where they'll say, Jeff, what are you going to teach my people the advanced stuff? And my answer is always the same. I'll teach your people the advanced stuff when they're actually using the stuff that I've been teaching them for the last four years, the fundamentals. And by the way, there is no advanced stuff. It's the same exact program. I'm just going to use some different words. It's all the same. The way I like to think of it, Paul, are you a sports fan? Uh, yes, very specific. I like female Muay Thai. I like <laughs> to watch the strawweight female Muay Thai fighters. There's a Swedish girl, Smila Sundberg, who... She's tall and skinny. You wouldn't think she'd be able to fight her way out of paper bag. She's smashing bigger, more experienced Muay Thai uh, fighters. It's, yes, that's what I like. God, I'll have to check that one out. I, I'm not a sports fan, but here's something I do know. Football players, professional NFL football players who make tens of millions of dollars a year. They're not sitting around all week waiting to play the big game on Sunday or Monday or whenever they play those games. They're practicing all week long, every single day. And what they're practicing practicing is the fundamentals. It's like when my son, he's now, he's going to be 21 next month. He took karate lessons for about a year. And I used to take him there and I'd sit and watch. Same thing every single week. It was the same exercises because it's you, you got to just keep getting that same thing over and over till you're actually doing it without thinking about it. So not much difference in, in the uh, new people and the experienced people because the experienced people tend to pick up bad habits. So I have to help them get rid of them and bring them back to the fundamentals because that's what works. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. That capacity to be focused on practice rather than over-focused on results. Do you think that's something that can be taught? Or do you, let me rephrase the question. I'm a little, I'm, I only got like five hours of sleep. I have a new love in my life and I'm so excited about her. I can't sleep. <laughs> bravo. Well, yeah, bravo indeed. Oh, it's not good for business. <laughs> do, you, do you think that that quality of getting people motivated to focus on the fundamentals, because so many people are taught, set your goals, make the money, make the money, make the money. I, I believe in writing down goals and visualizing and the rest of it. But the way I like to put it is 
champions are interested in the game, but they're invested in their skills. How do you create, do you agree with that? And if you do, how do you help your clients and the people you train take on that mindset? Yes, I, I absolutely agree with that. And it's by showing them that the fundamentals are what works. You know, quite often in, in my career of managing and coaching salespeople, I find that, gee, Jeff, I, I used to do great. And then uh, suddenly things changed. You know, and when I ask enough questions, it's typically they tried something new that they read about. Maybe it worked once. And so they decided they'll stick with it, even though they're not getting any more results because something new seems sexy and exciting. So I, it's got to be right. As far as I'm concerned, it's not always right. In fact, it's not usually right. The fundamentals are the fundamentals for a reason. And I'm going to stick with those. Um, I will certainly agree that there are many things that have changed over the last almost 50 years in sales. Certainly, the internet changed a lot of stuff. But here's one thing that I, I believe has not changed. People still do business with people that they like and trust. And the trust is the most important component. So if you're not going to go into a sales call, I don't care what you're selling, and start out with establishing some rapport and getting people to begin to like and trust you, and you're just going to pitch, a word I hate, by, by the way, uh, then you're doomed. Now, when I say doomed, Paul, that doesn't mean you're not going to close business because most salespeople, here's the way it goes. They walk into the office. They'll say, thank you so much for your time today, which I think is a big mistake. Uh, they'll tell them, I, I, I want to respect your time, so I'm going to get right to the point. Here's why Jeff Goldberg and Associates is the greatest training and coaching firm in the world. And then they vomit all over you. Exactly. I want to shoot myself. What I want to have is a great conversation. And that's what I help people do. I, I teach people, how do you have a better conversation? Because my definition of selling, Paul, is sales is a conversation or a series of conversations leading to help the other person choose to do business with you. And I'm using that word specifically for a reason. It's not about persuading. It's not about convincing. It's not about talking people into things. Look, as persuasive as I know you are, and as good at selling as you are, and I'm, I'm expert level at selling, I don't believe I can talk anybody into anything that they don't want, don't need, or can't afford, unless I'm Nor willing to lie, cheat, or steal, which I'm not anymore. Nor do I. I just think you can use suggestions to speed that process along I mean, it's just a different a different approach that leads to i think it leads to the same outcome i want to talk about something exceedingly interesting to me and i know in your biography i'm not going to read the whole thing because this is more interesting to me having this kind of dialogue you're you've had experience doing stand-up comedy so we can't just gloss that over we need to take a dive into that i tried it myself three times and it is the most humiliating embarrassing thing when you bomb that stand-up comics have to be masochists i have a very good friend who's one he's he's brilliant but we've had this conversation what in the world moved you to be a stand-up comic i'm betting it's because you could you thought it'd be a way to meet women being on stage <laughs> star. I think I got you there. What Actually not. Huh? Okay. Yeah. What moved you to do it? That's the first question. And how do you think those skills have rolled into your ability to be a good presenter? Yeah, uh, it, it's actually the reverse. I was a good presenter because I've used humor and that took me into stand-up comedy. So um, I've been the class clown all my, all my school career. I can't tell you how many times I heard, you know, Mr. Goldberg, your mother's coming into school tomorrow. Uh, or, or, or the thing I heard most often from teachers who are supposed to teach you stuff was, 
I think you know which way to the principal's office, Mr. Goldberg. Never raised my hand, would just shout out whatever I wanted. My whole goal was how do I get people to laugh? And there's some deep psychology behind that. If we have time, I'll be happy to show you. Yeah, well, yeah we'll roll in, but not so, yet. So you, you, do you know the, uh, the, the movie West Side Story? Of course. Sure. So there's, you know, the jets and the sharks and, uh, you know, the song, when you're a jet, so like that. So in eighth grade, we were doing a play. You know, my class was doing a play for the whole school. And um, the guy who got chosen to play Riff, the guy who sings the Jet song, uh, in eighth grade, he was already six foot two, huge hulking guy. Never forget his name. It was Vahan Janjigi. And I don't remember where he was from. But uh, that five times fast. <laughs> I'm not sure that I can. Anyways, Vahan was going to be Riff. And we're behind the curtain. The curtain's ready to open. And Vahan has a panic attack. And the teacher comes running out on the stage. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And he says, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. I'm not going to sing in front of the entire school. And she tried to talk him into it for a couple of minutes, couldn't. Then she just looked at the rest of them and said, does anybody else know the song? I raised my hand. I said, I do. And she said, okay, Jeff, you are now riff. So at the appropriate time, I stepped forward to sing the, the Jet song, you know, when you're a Jet, you're a Jet. All yeah, the way. All the way yep. So uh, I have to back up and tell you, I had a really good voice back then. I sang in the Chicago All City Chorus. Uh, but I sang with the sopranos because even though I was a tenor, my voice was incredibly high. So when I stepped forward to sing the Jet song, instead of when you're a Jet, you're a Jet, all the way, it was when you're a Jet, you're a Jet, all the way. <laughs> and at this moment, I can still see the entire audience hysterically laughing. I can still see Mrs. Caird, the principal, at the back of the audience, literally slapping her knee. And I believe at that moment, I made, up a, I made a decision. I'm going to get people to laugh with me, not at me. And so um, when I became a sales trainer and a professional speaker, I always used humor to keep my audience away because I'll do full day seminars. You know, we started eight in the morning, we go till four in the afternoon. And as interesting as I think I am, Paul, uh, you do have to do something to keep people awake. And I've always used humor. In fact, more than once I've stepped over the line and said something inappropriate in front of a corporate audience and gotten the beckoning finger from human resources. Later. Jeff, did you say this in front of our team? Yeah, I know I shouldn't have. Don't worry, it'll never happen again. And <laughs> in speaking with my coach uh, about self-sabotage, she said, I think I want you to talk to somebody else about this. And yet somebody else was a uh, psychic uh, psychic healer. So I spoke with this woman and she, I, I told her I want to talk about self-sabotage. She goes, okay, just be quiet for a minute. And you kind of, you can kind of feel her getting inside your brain. It's really cool stuff. I and know. Get to, you know the deal. So we, we get done and she goes, Jeff, I got to tell you something. I'm not feeling self-sabotage. I'm like, really? I just spoke to Liz about that for an hour. How, how could that be? She goes, if it's there, it's there only a tiny bit. But would you like to know what I did find? I'm like, absolutely. And she said, you're not living your life's purpose, which was kind of a, that's, that's kind of hit to the chest. Wow. And, she, and then she said, would you like to know what your life's purpose is? I, I'm sure you can imagine I, I, the answer was a resounding yes. Yes, please tell me what my life's purpose is. I'm I, sorry. I, please deposit $5,000 to speak to the <laughs> further. She'd already been paid. But um, she said, your life's purpose is to be happy and to help other people be happy by making them laugh. I had never told her anything about I'm a funny guy or I like stand-up or anything like that. She said, that's my life's purpose, to make people laugh, make them happy by making them laugh. And I started immediately sobbing, not crying, bawling. Because you know when somebody speaks the truth to you, you just it hits you right in the middle of the chest. You know, you just heard a true thing. I was like, holy crap. 
my life is about making people laugh, giving them the gift of laughter. So uh, a week later, I signed up for a stand-up comedy course. And six weeks after that, I was in front of 230 people performing stand-up and I haven't stopped. It's, 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 You're it's still so doing it. Oh yeah, as often as possible. I have a gig tonight in the Bronx. Um, it, it's the scariest thing you can do. And I've jumped out of an airplane from two and a half miles up. That's the second scariest. But uh, it, it's giving people the gift of laughter it, it, it is such a joy. Uh, it, 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 it's where I feel most at home on the comedy stage it's, and in the ocean. It's a great way to get chicks. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't been. I don't so care. Far, Listen, I, a lot. I just lost half my audience. I don't care. I, I you know, who Dan Kennedy is being. Sure, of course. Sales. Dan's whole thing is you've got to be polarizing and offend a segment of people, or you're never going to get anywhere. So. Let's roll this back into sales. I think, and I both in what I've read and in trainings I've gone through and people I've trained in my own experience, humor can be a two-edged sword because you don't want to, if you, you're just joking, 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 people may be entertained by you, but at some point they're going to go, there's no substance to this person. So do you teach your client, can you teach your clientele how to be funny or is it just something that's there and not there? Yeah, uh, you can certainly learn how to do stand-up. There, there's a formula to a joke. Uh, I don't know that anybody can give you the balls. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking <clears throat> about in the sales process. Can you Do you teach your clients how to use humor in the right proportion and to the right degree? Uh, no, my advice to salespeople is, if you are a funny person, use humor, but use it appropriately. Uh, and the other advice I give is everyone thinks they're funny. Most of you aren't. Uh, it, humor can, you said it, it, it can be a double-edged sword. Uh, there, you know, certainly you never know what's going to offend somebody. And so many people today are just waiting to be offended. So um, yes. no, I do not teach people how to be funny. Uh, it, it, it's simply, if you have that gift, use it appropriately. But really to me, it, it's all about, how do you have a genuine conversation with somebody rather than pitching what you've got? How do you really care about them more than your own commission? And that's not easy to do for, for many people. No. I, I want to make money, but, but my goal in every conversation with a prospect or a client is how do I best serve them? Because I know when I do that, the money's going to come. Yeah. My read on you is very much that you're service-minded very much the case sure. not, and I think not everyone can be to the extent that you are but I think it's 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 necessary it may not be sufficient it's a necessary condition like heat is necessary uh source of heat is necessary to create a fire it's necessary but by itself it's not sufficient so let's talk about the other elements to create that to use my own metaphor sales fire you need to be able to have a genuine conversation and to get people to like you, but that's fine. Sooner or later, you've got to then lead them and ask the right questions, et cetera, et cetera. So where do we go from there? We, we know our product or service. We've established a rapport. We've had a genuine conversation. Where do we go from there? Well, if we've had a genuine excuse me, conversation, that means we've actually allowed them to speak at least as much as you do. And you said the words perfectly. It's all about asking questions. Sales is not about your great presentation. It's not about your strong closing skills. Look, you and I are professional presenters. We know how to stand in front of large audiences and present. 
I sold Encyclopedia Britannica door to door 45 years ago when it was $2,000 for a set of books that people could send their kids to the library to use for free. I know how to close, but it's not about that. It's all about asking the right questions and listening actively, which most salespeople suck at. Most salespeople are horrible listeners. And it's about telling great stories. So if you can do those three things, you can succeed in sales. So rather than trying to be funny, I would just help, I would prefer that people just focus on how do I have a better conversation and discover, can I serve this person or not? The, the prospect may not know. You know, there's the old saying that the customer's always right. Customer's not always right. Bullshit. Absolutely not. But they're always the customer, which means they've got the money and they, they're going to make the decision to go forward with you or not. So it's my job, A, how do I have enough conversations with enough people so that enough people say yes? And B, when I am speaking to those people, how do I engage them in a way that they're willing to open up to me and tell me what's really going on? I think it's the same process as having a date. You've got to do the whole, and you have to know how to do your clothes and overcome objections. But, you know, this, you said something else, and I don't want to skate across it because so many people skate across it. You said the salesperson has to get out of their own head. I keep hearing this over and over. You need to get out of your head. I don't, first of all, what specifically does that mean? Second, what does that look like? And third, what's the technique to do it? That's like saying learn from, with all due respect, Jeff, it's like saying learn from every experience, but no one gives you a methodology to do it. So what does that mean to you when you say get out of your head? And second, how do you do that? I personally teach meditation to teach people to quiet their mind so they can have an outward focus of attention. But what do you mean by it? And then what's your formula, your heuristic to be fancy your methodology to getting people there yeah uh, i i actually don't remember saying that paul because I, I i don't teach people how to do that how to get you out of their say, own head. you absolutely said they got they have to get out of their own head i'm sure you said it we can okay. watch the replay <laughs> I, I trust you. Maybe it slipped out, but I, I don't people teach people how to get out of their own head. What I do teach people to do is to stop selling and start serving, to have to, to not make it about the pitch, to make it about about the conversation. Look, there is a point after you ask enough questions and get the answers when it's time to I'm going to use the word pitch, which I like to present. And there's some methodology that I, I teach people on how to give a good sales presentation. Uh, but um, getting out of their own head. The, the only thing that I can think of if I, uh, that I might've meant is you've got to get out of the self-limiting beliefs and, and the self-talk that so many salespeople I find have, you know, uh, and you're really the expert at this, Paul, but you know, we grow up think, hearing things like money doesn't grow on trees and, and stuff like that. Money's the root of all evil, which is not actual, the actual uh, quote. from The me. actual quote is the love of money is the root of all evil. There you go. Exactly right. So, if you come from a mindset that there's scarcity, that there's not enough money in the world, it's going to be tough to have conversations with people where they give you their money. That makes they, total sense. Yeah. So I believe there's plenty of money everywhere. I believe in what we call the abundance theory. There's plenty of business for everybody. There's plenty of money for everybody. So it's really just getting out of your own way and just coming from, how can I best serve this person? And if I can't serve them, I'm going to tell them before they have to tell me. I've walked away from deals where people wanted to do business with me. And I said, I'm not right for you. Let me introduce you to one of my competitors. Absolutely. The right and that's, that shows up in your integrity. I'll do the same thing. Not only that, if I can't serve them, I'll tell them. 
And if I can serve them, but there's such a pain in the ass, I wouldn't want to work with them for any amount of money. I'll tell them that too, sometimes diplomatically, I'll, depending on my mood, sometimes not diplomatically, because my philosophy is I will respect my client and my prospect. I expect that back in return because it, it's got to be mutual respect. The trust has to be, it has to be a two-way conversation based on based on trust and based on respect i'm with now, you i've actually fired clients you know people are pay, already paying me money it's like you know what not going to take your own money anymore i'll give you a refund if you need it whatever it is i don't want to work with it i love the word you just chose to use respect uh it's not like i i'm desperate that they need to bow down to me but why would you why would you want to give me money to manage your sales team because i do outsource sales management or train your team and then come in and tell them that i'm wrong that you don't want you don't want them to do what I'm telling you. I actually I'll tell you this quickly. So I had a client, uh, an outsourced sales management client. Uh, let's see, it was January of last year. And with many of the things I do, there's no contract. It's a handshake. You're paying me in advance anyway, so I don't care if there's a contract. But with outsourced sales management, I get a three month agreement up front, and then it's all month to month. So I'm a month and a half into this engagement where I'm managing the sales team remotely. It's all being done via Zoom, and I'm in a Monday morning sales meeting with. 20 salespeople, and the CEO shows up. Now, I have no problem with him showing up, but I'm telling them to do something, and he stops me. He says, gang, I know Jeff's not going to want to hear this, but what he just told you to do, I want you to do this. And it was the exact opposite of what I told him to do. Now, that's never a smart idea. If anything, he should have taken me aside after the meeting and said, hey, Jeff, why'd you tell him this? I'd rather they do this. Can you tell him to do that? And I certainly would have at least had the discussion. Of but course. After the, after the meeting ended, I called him up immediately. I said, man, you made a huge mistake there. I mean, you're paying me, A, for my expertise, and B, because you told me you don't know how to manage salespeople, but you just embarrassed me in front of the team. And more importantly, you confused them because now I'm their manager, but you told them to do something different. Who should they be listening to? So at this point, we can do one of two things. And pardon my French, but I said, A, you can get out of my way and let me do my fucking job that you're paying me for, or B, I will let you out of the contract immediately. And not only that, even though my contract says you get no money back, I'll give you back the month and a half that I didn't work for. So he chose B. I'm not going to work with anybody who's not, I, I, don't, I don't need anybody's money badly enough. And by the way, I have three kids. Well, one just graduated college, but the other two are still in there. I still need to get paid, but I don't need anybody's money badly enough to lower myself or demean myself or let them try to demean me. And here's what I believe fully that nature abhors a vacuum and that when you do something like that, something better almost always shows up, which of course it did. My philosophy, exactly. And I think you, from what you've exposed and taught and shared with my audience already, I don't think we have to ask the question of what do you say to salespeople who are people who are afraid of being salesy? You've answered that question. And there's a lot, by the way, a lot of the people watching this are business owners and entrepreneurs. They're not, they think they're not salespeople, but I always convey the message. If you're not selling in your business or what you're doing, you're not going to be in business very long. <laughs> it's, it's just not, it's yeah. not going to work. You could be the best accountant in the world, but if you can't sell your services, you're going to starve. So I'm with you a million percent. Uh, I actually have a program called Selling for Non-Salespeople. It's the same program, program I, take, I teach salespeople. I just use a few different words and I acknowledge up front. I know you're not salespeople. Sell is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. In fact, I just 
just last week, I came out with uh, two online courses that people can uh, buy and you know self-direct their own learning. And it's all about how do you sell without being salesy? And I don't care whether you're a professional salesperson or an entrepreneur or solopreneur who needs to sell their services. I don't want to be salesy. I don't look. Nobody likes the typical salesperson. I don't want to. Be I don't that. even know what that. Uh, you know, I don't even know what that means. I. I well, yes, I do. I had the experience where I wanted to buy a car. I I pull up into the lot. I walk out of the car. Immediately, a guy charges at me and says, are you ready to buy a car today? And he extends his hand. I just look at his hand, and I'm thinking, it's got to be a hand. It's at the end of his wrist. I said, not from you and not at this place. I turned around. I got right back in my car. <laughs> well, I actually offer audience often offer audiences next time you go to buy a car please take me with you because i love torturing car salespeople. <laughs> well let's get into that oh, uh, because we have a few extra minutes so and you've already dropped enough gold to end the episode but you're a funny guy and i enjoy you so Thank let's uh, how do you enjoy torturing we'll put this in the liner notes how to enjoy how to enjoy torturing car salespeople? how do you do that i'll explain by giving you an example uh when i let's see three or four cars ago, I went to buy a Toyota 4Runner. I'd already been to two dealerships, checked it out, liked the car, uh, checked out the pricing. Now I took my son with me to go buy the car at a third dealership. So of course, you're going to love this. So we walk in, I'm staring, I'm, we're standing and in front of the Toyota 4Runner and the salesperson walks over, he goes, I see you're interested in the 4Runner. And I said, oh, what gave it away? Because I, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't be that stupid. And uh, I said, he says, well, you're staring at it. I said, okay, look, here's the thing. I know about the car. I only need to know two things, only these, and then we're going to do a deal. First of all, I haven't driven it yet. If I step on the gas, does it have any giddy up? Because I drive everything like it's a Ferrari. And is there an upgraded sound system that I can buy? And no kidding, Paul, this guy pops the hood and starts explaining the safety features inside crumple zones or whatever that is. And I'm, I'm yeah, you're shaking your head. I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And I let him go on for about a minute. I said, excuse me, young man. He was way younger than me. Excuse me, but I have no interest in the safety features. I just want to know if it can go fast and I can get a premium sound system. He goes, oh yeah, I'm going to get to that, but let me continue explaining the safety features. And he goes back into his rant. And I said, dude, you're killing me here. I'm, I'm going to walk out in a second. He, and he leans in like a conspirator. And he says, see that guy in the glass booth behind you? Don't turn around. But there's a guy there. That's my manager. And he's watching me. And if I don't explain the safety procedure, the safety features to you, I'm going to get in trouble. And I said, how much trouble do you think you're going to get in when I walk out, which I'm just about to do? And this guy brilliantly said, let's take it for a test drive. It had giddy up. There was a premium sound system, but here's the best part. We get back in. He sits me down at the table. He takes out that piece of paper and draws the square. And then he looks at me and asks the stupidest question he possibly could have asked me. How much do you want to pay for this car? And I said, oh, well, as a matter of fact, I'd like you to pay me to buy the car. And he laughed. He did exactly what you just did. He laughed. He goes, you know, we can't do that. Seriously, how much would you like to pay for the car? I said, seriously, if that's the question you're asking me, I'd like you to pay me for the car. And he shook his head and said, Mr. Goldberg, we can't do that. What are you talking about? I said, well, maybe you should ask me a better question. And he goes, okay, what question should I, should I ask you? And I said, I'm not the salesman. You ask me. And then I, I said, look, I'm going to cut this short. You and I both know what's going to happen. 
You're going to give me a number. I'm going to say, you've got to do better. You're going to go talk to that manager. You're going to come back with a better price. Then I'm going to say, you got to do better than that. And you're going to go back and you're going to come back with your manager. And then we're going to do a deal. And I actually patted my pocket and I said, I've got your money in my pocket right now. Go get your manager. And he went and met, got his manager. And an hour later, I drove away with the car. And my son at the time, five years old, said, Daddy, why were you so mean to that man? And I said, because he was an idiot, sweetheart. That's why I love torturing car salespeople, because they're, they're, they're just usually ignorant fools. Who, if he had just asked me some good questions, he could have saved us both some problems. <laughs> I love your attitude. You are a jet. <laughs> <laughs> Too much fun. No, that's what it's all about, Paul. If I can't have a good time, I'm not, I'm not interested in doing it anymore. Same, that's I, why I get guests like you on, on the show. And speaking of that, I know people are going to want to continue in the conversation with you. How do you have a free gift or what's the way that people can best continue learning from you? Uh, I believe I gave you a link. There's a video that I have posted on my YouTube channel with uh, a one, one module from my new program. Uh, there's one on conversational selling skills, one on professional prospecting. I believe the link is to uh, how to do a, 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 a prospecting campaign. So anybody is welcome to that. Uh, if somebody's looking to reach me, my website is jgsalespro.com, or they can reach me directly uh, via email at jeff at jgsalespro.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. And we'll put all of these on the line. Uh, my fantastic, fabulous producer, Tracy, will put all of these on the liner notes. Jeff, stay oh, on the line. Oh, before you go, uh, I'd also love it if anybody is interested, you actually spoke for this. Uh, you interviewed with me. Yes. I have a group called the Sales Pro Network on Facebook. Yeah forward yeah. the sales pro network free yeah. group like everything else you can come in ask questions get coaching there's a lot of my competitors on there every friday i do a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales which you did beautifully so join the sales pro network my friends thank you so much stay on the line and we'll have a brief chat and everybody thank you once again for honoring me and honoring our guest jeff goldberg today by tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode see you later the Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411-321. That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1-909. 741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencer's Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack at sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on The Influencers Edge Show. Mm -hmm.